Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. Today we're going to be talking about uh, a new series called that I've titled Assassins, and really it's all about kind of the things in our life that the enemy uses to destroy the work of God. We've talked over the last four weeks about, uh, we called it storytellers, that God wants us to live a life that's worth talking about, that the decisions we make today affect the stories that we tell tomorrow. And so we have to make good decisions in order to live the life that God wants us to live, that we want to live. But just as much as God is for us and God has this great plan and he wants us to pursue the vision and dream that he has for our life, that there is an enemy who's against us. And during this time of year, it's kind of the Halloween season, you know, and Raleigh and I were walking to the park the other day. And look, if you, if you, you know, decorate for Halloween, it's all good. You know, I don't really get it that much, but it's, it's fine if you do that. So one of the houses, you know, they had like, you know, the cemetery look with the gravestones there and the t- and they had like, you know, goblins hanging and all this stuff. And Riley kind of walks and she's like, walks like this. And I said, it's okay, Riley. You know, those are just pretend, you know, there's no such thing as monsters. They can't get you. Look, let's go up to them. We go up to them. See, they don't move. They're just pretend. And it calms her a little bit and we continue on our walk and then we have to walk back and the same thing happens. And I have to remind her over and over again that's pretend. And I think we like to do that with the devil sometimes, that we just like to pretend that he's not really there, that if we kind of close our eyes and just kind of hide under the covers that the, the devil will just leave us alone that he won't mess with us, that he'll just you know, allow us to keep kind of going on our walk with God and, and we can just pretend he's not there. But the, the reality is that, is that the devil is very real. And he's not this you know, uh, guy with two horns and a pitchfork that jumps out of closets to scare you. The, the Bible says that he's very strategic. In fact, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, Paul said, I'm not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That he doesn't come out and he doesn't say, hey, I'm the boogeyman and I'm going to get you. He disguises himself. He's very subtle. He's an assassin. The Bible says also in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you. And so this is this guy, he's, a, he's very subtle, he's methodical, he knows you very well, he knows the things that will trip you up, he knows what will pull you away from God's plan, and he stalks, he's an assassin, he waits for his moment to come in to destroy the work that God's doing to you. He desires to kill that work, he desires to change your story so that the end of your life, instead of having a life and a story that's worth talking about, that you'll have, your life will be full of regret and mistakes. John 10.10 says that the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the deadliest of sins that I believe that the devil uses in our lives to pull us away, to destroy the work of God. The things that you don't really know are there until it's too late, because that's what assassin's all about. They use the element of surprise. If you, uh, you've probably heard this passage before in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so when you're following the leading of the devil, when you're allowing him to dictate your life and telling you where to go and what you're going to do, it says, here's the results of that. It's sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, 
quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He said, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to talk about a topic that is probably going to be very sensitive for some of you. And for some of you, it's going to maybe open up an old wound that has maybe scabbed over a little bit, but has never really healed. And we're going to talk about bitterness today. And if we look at Galatians and you you look at those sins that the enemy uses that become fruit in our life, hostility, quarreling, anger, dissension, and division, to me, it's kind of wrapped up in bitterness. And bitterness is one of the deadliest. And it's something that I wanted to tackle first as we go into this series today, because I believe it's what affects us the most. And so today is going to be a little challenging, maybe for some of you, but let me just pray one more time that God would open our hearts to let us receive what he would want from us. God, we thank you today that you are good, that you love us, that you do have a plan for us, and that it's, it's a good plan. But God, we know that there is an enemy who is against us. And today, Lord, as we go into your word, as we tackle this tough topic of bitterness, God, I just pray that everyone's hearts would just be open to receive what you would have for them. Lord, we love you and we want to pursue you. So we do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in seventh grade, um, it was Halloween time and it was come time to trick or treat. And uh, yeah, it's seventh grade. I was still going trick or treating. I don't know those of you who are in middle school, but yeah, we, we were still doing that. And so we, uh, in my neighborhood, we had a, a group of friends there and some of the other friends were coming in from other neighborhoods and we were going to go trick or treating in my neighborhood. So the plan was, is that all these guys were going to stop by my house, swing by, pick me up. And we were going to go out and go trick-or-treating. So I got, you know, some costume on. I don't really remember what it was. Uh, but I, I, I was there. I was waiting. They were supposed to come, you know, right when it started. And I keep waiting and I keep waiting. And my friends never showed up. And so I was like, well, where are they? And, you know, it got in. And so before I know it, I'm the one handing out candy instead of going out and getting candy. And I was pretty upset. And I didn't know what was going on. I mean, some of these were my really close friends. I'm like, man, why would they... Why would they ditch me like that? Why would they leave me behind? And so, you know, come to find out that one of the guys who came had convinced all of them to ditch me because I had kind of, you know, imposed on his, you know, girlfriend that he liked or the girl that he was trying to, well, she liked me and we kind of started, you know, in seventh grade, you got very deep relationships, you know. And so we had, we had started that relationship and he was upset with me about it. And so he was mad and so he wanted to kind of get back at me and so he convinced everyone to ditch me. And that guy, you know, for, for years, you know, I would run into him and we went to separate high schools and I didn't see him a lot. But whenever I would see him, I would remember that. That day, seventh grade, all by myself. And I literally went out so I could have some candy and trick-or-treated by myself. And I'm not saying that so you feel sorry for me, but as a seventh grader, it kind of wounded me pretty deep. And I still remember it. And to this day, I will see him and thankfully I've matured, you know, and I've, I've, I've gotten over it by that. But I'll still see that guy and I'll remember that moment that, that he did that to me. And see, that's what bitterness kind of is. It's a moment. It's something that happens to you. It's what someone did to you or, or not did to you. And, and something that happened that kind of buries itself deep in your heart, deep in your soul. And the enemy will subtly use it in your life to kind of destroy the plan that God has for you. This is how the Bible describes bitterness in Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. And if you don't have the app open today, I would encourage you to download that and follow along with that. It will have all the notes and scripture in there for you. And you can keep notes on your phone as well. But Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 15 says this. It says, work at living in peace with everyone 
and work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And here's our key scripture today. It says, and watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Poisonous root of bitterness. You know, I stopped by Walmart yesterday, and I actually do need this Drano. My, uh, one of the sinks in my bathroom has been clogged for a long time, so today when I go home, I will pour this into my sink and hopefully allow it to do its work. But, you know, on these bottles all the time, and we have kids in our house, and so, you know, instead of putting all those locks on every, you know, cabinet that you have that's so annoying that always gets stuck and you have to mess with them all the time, you know, I was too lazy to install all of those. I, I think we actually bought some and I tipped in one and I was like, you know, it's going to take me like two years. So, you know, everything that's dangerous to the kids, let's just put it up to where they can't get it. So like we have high shelves all in our kitchen and laundry room and stuff where all the stuff that says keep out of the reach of children is there. Because if this were to find its way into the hands of my daughter Riley and she was able to get the cap off and ingest this, it would be very harmful to her, Right. Like, we would never want to do that. It would, it would poison her. And, and, it, and so when they have dangerous things that poison us, they, they have to label them, keep out of the reach of children. And those of you who have children or that small children that can still get into things like that, you make sure that they're either locked up or they're out of reach of your kids. And that's what bitterness is and what God is warning us here. He says, watch out for that bitterness, that, that poisonous root that goes deep down in your soul. You need to keep that out of reach of your spirit and out of your soul because it's poison. And bitterness is a poison that not only affects you, but affects those around you. It says it corrupts many. And I love the quote about bitterness. And as we talk through this today, it said that bitterness is like drinking poison. It's like taking a gulp of Drano and expecting the other person to die. That's really what bitterness is. Is that it's really harmful to us and the, and the one who offended us It doesn't do anything to them, right? It all affects us. And so that's why we have to make sure that we deal with it. So a description of bitterness as we find here is first of all is that bitterness has a dangerous root. When you think about a root system, you know, they go down deep into the ground. It's what provides what's on the the top of the soil, the, the plant itself, the nourishment that it needs to survive. And the Bible says that bitterness is this this root that grows deep down into our soul, that absorbs anger, that absorbs hurt of a wounded heart. And it continues to grow and, and to continues to, to go deeper and deeper until it really can affect our entire life if we don't stop it and get rid of it. You know, love, the Bible says, it keeps no record of wrongs. But bitterness, on the other hand, it's, it keeps a very detailed record of the wrongs. I can remember seventh grade, 13 years old, the feeling that I felt standing on my front porch when no one was there. And every time I saw that guy, it was like it just opened it back up. That wound, it remembers, it keeps very detailed records of wrong. So bitterness has a dangerous root. The second thing is that bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. Have you ever been around a bitter person, at, maybe at the office, and every time they come into a meeting and They're just kind of mean and grumpy, and it just kind of affects and changes the culture and atmosphere of the entire room. Or maybe it's around the holidays, and you get with your family, and there's that one uncle or that one person who always comes, who's just had a rough life, who's mad at the whole world, and it just changes the whole climate at the dinner table when they have a seat. 
And you just pray that they just keep quiet and, and someone will bring up something in the, the conversation around the table that, that sparks them or, you know, kind of ignites them and they start to spout out all that bitterness and that mean, you know, they're just, get away. That, that bitterness has that poisonous fruit that affects our life, that it affects those around us, that people can see it, that affects our family and those closest to us. So the fruits of bitterness and how can we tell that someone is bitter, or maybe that we're bitter. I've, I've, I kind of did the, the five qualities of a bitter person here. And the Bible tells us that, that we're not to judge people, but it also tells us that we can identify a tree by the fruit that it bears, right? And so in our life, if we're bearing you know, peace and love and those kind of things, it means that we're in tune with the Spirit. But if, if we're bearing the fruit of bitterness, and as Paul described in Galatians again, and, and all those sins that show itself, that, that rear itself, that if we see these fruit in someone's life, then there's obviously a, a root of bitterness that's there. And so how do you tell if you're bitter? First of all, bitter people justify their bitterness. They justify it. You're justifying it right now. Well, I have a right. You don't know what they did to me. They deserve it. They deserve my bitterness. They justify, you justify it. Bitter people are overly critical. They pick people apart, especially the person who was wrong to them or did them wrong. You know, they, they do that kind of stuff like, who do they think they are? You know, that woman walks into the office and you go, who does she think she is wearing that? I can't believe he would do that, right? That's what, they, they're very critical. Some of you, some of, I, just, I just hit someone, I felt it. They got a very hard heart. They secretly celebrate when, when people around them fail or don't succeed, or especially the person who did them wrong, when, when something of misfortunate happens to them. You know, they'd never you know, say it on the outside, but on the inside, they're like, yeah, so-and-so lost his job. Oh, man, that's too bad. <clears throat> I knew that guy would lose his job. He's such a jerk. You know, like That's how we react, where we, we secretly celebrate those things. We have a very hard heart towards people and things. And then also, if you're bitter, sometimes you will write off an entire group of people where maybe a, a man did you wrong at some time and really hurt you. And so you go, all men are dogs. All men are like that. Or a woman cheated on you and really hurt you. And all women are like this. And I don't trust any of them. I, will, you know, I don't trust a woman as far as I could throw them. You know, and they have this attitude because they've been wronged and hurt. And then the last quality of someone who is really struggling with bitterness is this, is that they struggle to see bitterness in the mirror. That they don't really even know that they're bitter because they justify it, because they have all these excuses of why they're bitter. They justify it. They struggle to even see it themselves. So that's the fruit of bitterness. And, and that where the Bible said that, that bitterness has a, has a deep root and it has a poisonous fruit. And those things, if they're evident in your life and if you're identifying with some of those, the Bible says that you need to get rid of those things. You've got to deal with the root of bitterness. And I don't know about you, but I, I, does, you, does anyone here like pulling weeds? Do, does anyone? I hope not, because if you do, you can come over to my house and you, know, you can just pull away. Because pulling weeds is awful, right? It's like the worst thing ever, because you can't just go through. You know, what I like to do is just kind of weed whack them off and just, you know, because what do they do? They grow right back up. In order to get something like, like a weed, something that's poisonous to your garden, you have to pull out the root, right? You got to get the root. You got to spray it out. You got to get rid of those things. And, and really, you know, we got to, today we're going to be pulling out, let's say, our, our spiritual roundup 
and really spraying some of these bitterness things, this, this bitterness that's deep within you to get rid of it. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says this. It says, get rid of all bitterness. Look at your neighbor and say, get rid. Get rid of it. It says rage, anger, harsh words, slanders, all those things, all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So in steps of identifying our, our, our getting rid of the bitterness in our life, that root, the first thing that you need to do is identify the root. You need to identify what it is. With whom or what are you bitter? Maybe it's a parent who you know, left or abandoned you. And, and so today, and, and here I want to tell you this, I'm not trying to make light of whatever you went through. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm, some of you have been through some very difficult things, and it's going to take God to really do some supernatural things in your life to bring healing. But the whole point of this is to realize is that bitterness will destroy you and not even affect the person that you're holding it against. So you need to identify what that is. Maybe it's something that happened a real long time ago in your childhood. Maybe it was you were trick-or-treating and, and your friends ditched you when you were in seventh grade. I don't know what it is. That's what, what it was for me that, I, you know, and you laugh like, dude, that's not a big deal. You know, I've, I got way bigger issues than getting ditched at trick-or-treat. I understand that. But it was something that just was deep in there that I never dealt with it until I identified that root. Maybe it's a spouse, a Maybe it was a teacher who spoke something into your life that really discouraged you or hurt you. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're really bitter at yourself that you realize, man, I've made bad decision after bad decision. I am where I am. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at the world. Can't change anything. Maybe it's, you know, someone who hurts someone that you love. I know for me, you know, I've I've had some issues with that where someone that I've really cared about has been hurt by someone and I pick up that offense. And I hold it against them too. And I say, you hurt my family, you hurt me. And I write them off and I get angry and bitter at them. Maybe today you're, you're angry with God. You're bitter at God that you feel like God let you down, that he allowed someone very close to you to pass away and he allowed some bad things to happen to you and you've blamed him and you've been bitter at him. Whatever the issue is with your bitterness this morning, you need to identify what it is before you can get rid of it. Ephesians tells us to get rid of it. So how do you do it then? What is the spiritual roundup that kills bitterness? Forgiveness. The only thing that will get rid of the bitterness in your life is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And, you, and, and forgiveness is something that, that you have to make a choice to do. It isn't given, it isn't you know, something you just, hey, I'll, I'll forgive. No, you have to make a choice. Some of you have to make a choice every day to forgive that person. Say, I forgive you. I make a choice to forgive. I make a choice to move on. You go, well, Kyle, they don't deserve my forgiveness. You don't know what they did. They don't deserve it. Why should I forgive them? Let me tell you why you should forgive. First of all is this, is we forgive because we've been forgiven. We forgive because we've been forgiven. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Have you ever sinned against God? I know I have. And if I pull out the list of all the wrongs that I've done to God and all the things where I've hurt Him and where I've turned my back on Him and I've stabbed Him in the back and where I promised I'd never do it again and I went back and did it again... 
if I were to pull out the list of my wrongs that I've done to God, it would be very, 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 very long. And if I were to pull out a list of the wrongs that were done to me, it wouldn't compare. And so Jesus says, you forgive because I've forgiven you. And that if you want to be under my forgiveness, if you want to receive forgiveness, if you want to receive that do-over every day that I offer you through my word and through my grace, is that you then have to forgive as well. It's a two-way street. As God forgives you, you forgive others. And it's hard sometimes to do that. Matthew 18, 21 through 22 says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? He said, seven times? That's probably where I would start. Seven? That's pretty good, right, Jesus? If I forgive them seven times for what they did to me, seven times over and over again. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 77 times. And what Jesus was saying here is, is you forgive as, as many as it takes because that's who I am. That's, Jesus said, I am love, I am forgiveness, and I forgive you as many as times as it takes until you finally get it right. And so you need to do the same for other people. We forgive because we've been forgiven. The second thing in order of why we forgive is because forgiveness is more for you than it is for them. Why should you forgive that person that that hurts you that way? Because forgiveness is more for you than it is for them. Again, that quote said that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That bitterness doesn't affect the person who's wronged you, it affects you. The Bible says that we have to get rid of that root and realize that it's for you. Because this poison, the enemy will use it to assassinate your soul. He'll use it to to harden your heart, to keep you away from the things of God. Think about how bitterness affects you mentally. That your thoughts are consumed by this person and it never really goes away. You always think about what they did to you and you'll never be able to get it out of your mind. And that emotionally what it does to you, that you don't trust anyone else. And I'll never love again the same way or trust someone because of what they did to me spiritually. That I can't trust God, I can't pursue his plan. Why would he allow that to happen to me? And then physically, if you look at the studies done on bitterness, it says that it actually will affect your physical health to where it can actually eat away at who you are. It's like a cancer that destroys you and affects you physically as well. So why we forgive is because who wants to live like that? Who wants to live their life in a way that's constantly affected by what someone else did to you? Forgiving them allows you to move forward, not them. Allows you to heal, not them. Forgiveness is more about you than it is for them. Bitterness will continue to keep that wound open time and time again to where it never heals. And if you don't forgive them, what you're really allowing them to do is continue to control you in your life. Why would you give them that luxury? Why would you allow them to still pull the strings in your life that way? That's why we forgive. Also, we forgive. The third reason why we forgive is because your forgiveness displays God's forgiveness. It's such an awesome responsibility that we have as Christians to to be the example of Christ to the world that we live in. The Bible says that Jesus is gone, that he sent his spirit, as those who accept Christ are living in his spirit, that that spirit is inside of us. And when we allow the fruit of the spirit to, 
to control our life. We, we're not bitter. We're not angry. We don't have all those things we listed at the beginning. It says instead that you have peace and you have patience and you have kindness and you have love and you have forgiveness. And it says those who exhibit that fruit aren't affected by uh, uh, the, the bitter root of a po- uh, that's poisonous of, of the bitterness, but that the fruit of the Spirit should display love and peace and forgiveness. That when we walk in forgiveness of someone who's wronged us, we are displaying the love and forgiveness of God. And the Bible says that we are to be the example of Jesus to the world that we live in. Now, there was a story, uh, it's been a couple years now, maybe some of you have seen it on the news. They, they actually, the Katie uh, Couric show just did a, a show on it, I think back in, in May. I was looking this story up again, but a friend of mine had interviewed to be the youth pastor at this church. Uh, I can't remember, somewhere up in northern Ohio, Cleveland area. And uh, there was a pastor, and he had some teenage son. I think he was like 16 years old, maybe around that age, 16, 17 years old. And he was addicted to uh, Halo, the video game. Spent hours and hours and hours on this video game. And he was an athletic guy, and he got injured. And so he just, again, would just every day come home from school, just hours, stay up into the night playing, playing this video game. And so finally they said, man, that's not going to work. You know, you need, to, you need to get other habits. This is affecting you. It's affecting us. And so they took the game away from him. And so he was secretly sneaking out of his house in the middle of the night to go play this game at his friend's house. He, he literally was addicted to it. And it began to change him and change the way he thought in his mind. And so one day he says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I decided I'm... I'm done with my parents. He had a gun in the house. He gets the gun, comes out into the living room, tells his mom and dad to close their eyes. He says, I got a surprise for you. So they close their eyes and they're sitting there waiting. Boom, first shot right to his mom's head. Pulls it again, shoots his dad, destroys half of his face. Didn't realize his dad. So his mom, his sister was coming over to watch a Browns game that day. She comes into the house, sees this. The brother's there. He takes off when she gets there. The guy was arrested, he's tried, he's in jail, serving out his sentence right now. But the dad survived. He had to have multiple surgeries. He was in a coma for, for weeks, and, and he comes to, and he said, you know, for months, he goes, I wouldn't even let anyone mention my son's name. I wouldn't even let him talk about him. He goes, I woke up three weeks later, my wife was already buried. And he's telling his story about what his kid did to him. And you sit there, and you're just like, I can't believe this. So Katie goes, well, well where are you at now? Where are you at with it now two years later? He said, I had to make a choice to forgive my son. I had to make a choice to forgive him. He goes, and I'll never forget, he said, I didn't deserve God's forgiveness, and he doesn't deserve mine, but I choose to give it to him anyway. He said, because he's my son, and I love him, and he made a mistake, and his life was out of control, and now he's advocating against video games and kind of taking that and trying to do something with it. But, but what power in that, that, that this pastor really had to put to practice what he preaches. That his own son took a gun on him and murdered his wife. And he said, I had to make a choice to forgive. Why? Because this pastor knew what bitterness would do to him. He knew how it would affect his life and those around him and his congregation. And that he had to be the example to display God's love to a world that rarely gets to see it anymore. And he sat there on that show, national television, and said, because God forgave me, I had to forgive my son. And that's powerful. And only God and his spirit in you can empower you to make a decision like that. It's only God. You can't make that on your own. Your flesh will not allow you to forgive. But as you 
get in God's word, as you pray and and make decisions every day to say, God, I want more of you and me than I want myself. I make a choice to forgive. So what do you do now? Today, what what do we have to do to really begin this process of forgiveness, of getting rid of the bitterness? First thing you need to do is realize that it is a process. That for some of you, the hurt is so deep and it's been around for so long that it's going to be a process. It's going to take some time to heal. It's going to take some time to work through those things. Maybe some of you are going to need to get counseling, professional counseling to say, I need to talk through, I need to process how I'm feeling and the the issues that I have because I don't want bitterness to destroy me. I don't want it to assassinate the plan of God for my life. I know God has a a story that he wants me to live out. He's created me for this purpose and I'm not going to allow the enemy to use bitterness any longer but it's going to take a process. Then what do you need to do? Pray, pray again, pray again, pray again. You need to pray. And for some of you, I don't even know where to start to pray. And maybe that's all you pray. God, I don't even know where to start. But God, I pray today that you would help me deal with this. I can't forgive them yet, but God, begin the process. Let me start it. You pray that every day. God, help me to move a little bit forward today in this issue. And you begin to pray for them. You say, God, I just pray that, that you would even move in their life, that you would intervene in their situation. I don't know what's going on with them anymore. I don't know where that teacher is or where that guy is anymore. But God, I pray that you would be with them. You would bless them. And that's actually, I didn't have time to include all the scripture. Jesus actually says that we, we pray that we bless our enemies. That we pray that God would move in their heart, that he would change them and that they would find God because his will is that none should perish. Because as God has forgiven you, he's forgiven them and he desires for them to know the plan that he has. The other thing that we have to realize is that the goal is reconciliation. For some of you, it's a family member, it's someone close that every time you go over to your, the, your family's house, you have to deal with this issue and, and you just, man, it, it, it's, it's, caused, it's just causing all kinds of problems for your entire family and that God, for some of you, the, the relationship, it can't be reconciled. But Matthew 5.23 says that we're supposed to go to our brother. It said actually before you come into God's house and you present your needs to him, if you have unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart against someone else, it says you need to go and deal with it before you come to me, is what Jesus said. That's how big of an issue it is. He doesn't even want you to go one more day without addressing the issue And for some of you, you can make that phone call and just say, you know what, today I'm making a choice to forgive. And you need to call them and say, I'm forgiving you. And I ask for your forgiveness for holding this grudge against you for so long. The ultimate goal is for reconciliation, but it doesn't always happen that way. For some of you, maybe they've passed away, the person who hurt you. The grudge that you have isn't even against a person. you got to begin to deal with it. The fourth thing you need to do is just let God handle it. The Bible says that we reap what we sow and that that God is a just God. And so the person who's done wrong to you, they're going to reap the consequences of that wrong if they don't get forgiveness from God and find that. But we reap the consequences of our actions. But the Bible says it's not up to you to decide what those things are, what the consequences are. It's actually up to God, and he is a just God. He is the only one who can judge the entire situation fairly. And we have to put our trust in that and say, God, it's yours. It's your deal. It's for you to deal with. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says this, never pay back evil with more evil. 
Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Again, displaying God's love. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, your enemies, if they're hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. It says, don't let evil conquer you. Don't allow the enemy to assassinate God's plan for your life. But conquer conquer evil by doing good. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to get. The whole turn the cheek thing. The whole pray for your enemy thing. All right, God, I'll forgive him. I'll get over it. But pray for him? Do something nice to him? Are you serious, God? You, you know what they did? Yes, I do know what they did. But why? Why? Because it's more for you than it is for them. It's about your healing. It's about my plan for your life, not theirs. Let me handle them. I got it. I'm a just God. I'll take care of it. It's about you. It's about you moving forward. It's about you pursuing your dream. It's about you fulfilling the plan that I have for your life. Why forgive? Because it's about you. And ultimately, it says when you conquer, the only way to conquer evil in this world is to overcome it with good. The love of God, to put on display the forgiveness that God extends to you every day. And you can maybe... Like this man, sit on TV and after your wife was murdered and he tried to take your life and say, I've made a choice to forgive because it's more about me than it is about him. And I pray that he finds the peace and the love of God for him. It's an amazing thing that we can do. And the reason why we got to forgive is because we don't want to let the devil win. We have everything we need to live life and life to the full in God. But we can allow things in our life that can destroy the plan. And the only way we conquer evil, the only way we defeat the enemy is with good, is with love. Don't let bitterness assassinate the plan for God. Don't let it hold you back anymore. Today can be the day that you make a decision to move forward.